Spirit put Jesus Christ into Mary's womb. She brought him forth as a mother in the natural way of childbirth. And this morning, we begin by looking at that childbirth. I do have one other prayer request that was handed to me. It's Josh and Rebecca Bennett. Josh has cancer. In our identified sermon series, which we are in, I bring forth a couple of things each week that talk about our identity in Jesus Christ. And today I'm going to share with you a lie that we sometimes say and the truth of God that counteracts that lie. When you begin to embrace this truth, it will change you. The lie is this. I can't feel valuable unless I'm loved and accepted by my family or the significant people in my life. The truth is, I have God-given value because I have been placed into a new family where I am unconditionally loved and accepted by God. Here are the facts. You are chosen by God. You are adopted by God. You are a child of God. You are born again. You've been adopted into the family of God. If these things resonate within you as true, then there should be some joy in your heart today. Because God has done a work in you to bring you from not being in the family of God to being in His family. And that is forever. Never lose that family. We'll never go away. So that's a good thing, isn't it? So our identity in Christ has brought us into a new family that God has unconditionally loved and accepted us. And I'm so thankful for that because there's times in our lives, including my own, where I have felt not accepted. And it's a very uncomfortable place to be. So that's the identity for us today. But before we move into the heart of the message, let's take a moment in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, You sent Your Son to us. What more could we ask? And yet He lived His life without sin. And He became for us sin that we might bear life and righteousness. And You did this through what He did, that we would be forever with You. This truth, Heavenly Father, is mind-boggling. But there's more to it. Because you, Heavenly Father, are love. You are spirit. And you sent your Son who embodied all that you are in your image to become woundable, to become breakable, to become temptable. To become flesh and blood. And because of that, that miracle, we can have life eternal. So thank you this morning. Now, speak to us your word, that we may break the bread of life with you and dine at your table this morning. Amen.
Scripture tells us that Jesus became like us so we could be like Him. But there's a reason, more than one reason, why He became like us. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, He says that He became as us and identifies with our pain and our infirmities because in every way He was tempted and tried, but without sin. But He was flesh and blood. What you were tempted in, He was tempted too. It wasn't like He wouldn't be able to succumb to it. He could have. And this is the greatest thing to know that one person, one person only, never sinned. That's another miracle, wouldn't you say? I, I can tell you, as a, by, by a means of confession, I'm not like Jesus was. I have sinned in the past. And I'll probably sin again in the future. And if I'm not mistaken, we all probably fall into that category. But the only way that He could identify with our pain, our temptations, our struggles, was to become like us. And not just like us, one with us. He had to be able to walk this earth and feel those things that it meant to be human. Because God, in, uh, in His eternal state, can't do that. He can't be tempted. God is not tempted, our Word says. And since He became one with us, He opened the door for us to be one with Him. Now, that's the good news. And Jesus said in John 10.9, He is the door. The door for us to enter into the sheepfold. Now, if you've ever experienced sheep, to use us who belong to Jesus as a metaphor for sheep doesn't always mean flattering things. Sheep are kind of... uh, Dumb is a good word. They're also kind of dull. They don't do much. They're not exciting. They they just stand around basically. They don't do much at all. They they're not going they don't do tricks. They don't do anything. They just stand there. But when they hear a voice that they love and are familiar with, they go to it. And they follow that voice wherever it goes because they trust it. This is why he calls us sheep. Not because we're uh, dull. <laughs> And don't do tricks or things like that. Um, Well, hopefully, if you um, wish to be a sheep of Christ, you keep your creativity. Because we need that here in the church. But Jesus is the door. John 10.9 is that scripture reference. A couple places he says that in John 10. But I say that to you because it says, All who find me and come through me go in and out and find pasture. Now, pasture in that verse means that we find places of restoration, of rest, of peace. Pasture is opposed to, which he doesn't say, destruction and unsafe places, mountainous regions where wolves tend to inhabit. So he's talking about that he leads us into those green pastures which he talks about in Psalm 23. 
the door is opened because of Jesus. Amen to that. But why did Jesus have to give His life blood? Why did He have to be born of flesh to be able to give His life blood? Why couldn't He have just said, okay, I forgive you, it's done? Because there was a parameter set up in Scripture. It says that the sin is required to be forgiven by the cost of blood. A life blood. The wages of sin is death. Scripture is very clear about that. The wages of sin is more sin, and the wages of more sin is death. When we understand that, then we also understand that the death that we experience through sin is a spiritual death. To cover those sins requires life blood. I have a question for you this morning. In the Old Testament, would you rather have used an animal or your own? Those were your choices. They used animals. Most animals they used, although all should have been, were without spot or blemish. Somehow, some people slipped in, you know, favors to do less than good animals. But I don't think God accepted those. But they had to be spotless, without blemish, to cover the sin. And the unfortunate part about it is is they could buy these animals and then bring them to be sacrificed. So the wages of sin for them was the purchase of an animal which would give its life for their sin. But it was a whole lot better than them giving their life for their sin. The lifeblood had to be spilled to have God's favor and blessing. Hmm. So something has to die for sin to be covered. This is why God accepted those animal sacrifices before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but not after. The cross changed all of that. And the cross can change all of you. Christ shed blood on Calvary. It doesn't mean a little of blood. We can shed blood and still live. He gave His life blood, which means He died there. That is the blood which we need to be born of. Because Scripture tells us we need to be born by water and blood, as Larry Joe mentioned. That they bear witness to us. So the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it inhabits us, it empowers us, it distributes the gifts of God to us and through us. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doing all that. But there is something that the Holy Spirit cannot do. The Holy Spirit cannot enter an unclean vessel. In other words, one stained or spotless or cracked or broken, in this case, spiritually. A dirty vessel it cannot inhabit. 
So, for us to receive the Holy Spirit and to have the gifts and the fruit thereof, even as a church, we have to be clean before God. The only way we can do that is through the spilling of blood. Now, there are two ways still for that blood to be spilled. The animal is not one of them. It is either yours or the blood of Christ. It wouldn't do you much good to spill your lifeblood and expect to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit because now you're dead. You're not going to be of much use. So God has a better plan. Wouldn't you say? That when Christ died on the cross, it says in Scripture He did it once for all. You do not have to die. You don't sound too happy about that. You don't have to die. You can choose that, but it doesn't get you eternity. You can accept the fact that God sent His Son to die on your behalf that you would believe into Him and be covered with His blood. Your sins covered at Calvary. Do you have a better option? I'm listening. I haven't heard one yet. We are born, according to 1 John, of spirit, water, and blood. Water birth of a woman, like Jesus, born of a woman. I see no miracles here where any of you were not born of a woman. All right? Are you with me so far? All right. Jesus was born of a woman. She gave birth. She brought him forth from her womb to make him flesh and blood. Why did he have to have blood? Because he had to be the sacrifice. So he had to be human. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. There's no blood to be spilled if He comes in a spiritual body. Not going to work. Makes sense, right? God wasn't ignorant. He just had to have someone explain it to us. So once that happens, and the blood of Christ washes you clean, the Holy Spirit can enter in and empower you to live a godly life. Until then, you are a vessel that is dirty and sinful. Whether or not you've chosen not to sin anymore, you still are a dirty vessel because the blood is not cleansed you. Jesus, as I said, was flesh and blood. It's the only way that He was able to bleed out literally on Calvary and die. Not a very pleasant thought to say that, but we too are able to do the same. We all can bleed out and die. And here's the, here's the thing that you need to know this morning, church, and I, and I hope that you catch this. Jesus Christ was flesh and blood, born of a woman, yet in spiritual... Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, we find these words. Brothers, 
flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Is that a head scratcher? Jesus is now flesh and blood, but flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Yet Jesus made a way for that to happen. For us, being flesh and blood, to be able to enter into a relationship with Christ and inherit the kingdom of God. It's important because He did that by dying on a cross. Here's the second thing you might want to know. When Jesus died on a cross... He died and rose again in a spiritual body. He was not raised into a flesh and blood body. Again, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus is going to own the kingdom of God. So He had to be raised in a spiritual body. So His physical body had to be dealt with to be raised to be a spiritual body. Does that make sense? So also, since it was that way for Him... It's that way for you and me. This physical body has to die off so we can inhabit the spiritual body when we are resurrected. This flesh and blood is going to wear out. Let me say that again. I said that wrong. This flesh and blood is wearing out. It's not going to. It's already started the process. Some of us will go, and I'm further along than some others. And some of us are not as far along as that, but we're all somewhere in the journey from birth to death is a flesh and blood. Our fleshly blood just can't live eternally. It just doesn't work. But our spiritual body does. Now as Jesus lives eternally in His resurrected body, so will we by the same death that He experienced. This is where it gets a little fun to try and explain. We are resurrected in His resurrection because we die His death with Him. We don't have to die to receive forgiveness of sin. He has done that for us. Scripture says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. It does say we might be because it is not a done deal until you enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ and let the Holy Spirit dwell in you and begin to lead your life. So this is a process. Sometimes it happens really quick. Sometimes we give our life, but we kind of drag our feet on our will. Sometimes it takes a long time to get from being born again to actually living. To have the new birth, but still walk in the old life because we don't understand the new birth. As we learn about this identified with Christ, we have a new life because of His death. And that's a good thing. In Romans 6 it says, we are baptized into His death that we would be raised into His life. And you say, well, what does that mean? It's a very simple picture. I can show you quite simply. Imagine this is the surface of the water. And you're being born of water but also the blood. And you go under the water, or the water covers you in sprinkling or pouring. And you're under the water, 
You are no longer the same person because the water represents the overflowing blood of Jesus Christ is transforming your life. When you go under the water, you are symbolizing the death. You're going into a water tomb, if you will. A water grave. There's a song that's actually called Water Grave. It says, I'm going into a water grave and I'm coming up a resurrected soul. So when you come out of the water, because hopefully they're not going to hold you under too long, or the water's not going to drown you if it's sprinkling or pouring, that you rise up out of the water, overcoming the grave, the water grave. This is the same as the death and resurrection of Christ symbolically in our lives. This is what baptism is. We do not have to die physically to begin living a spiritual life is all I'm trying to say. We are covered spiritually by the blood of Jesus. And thank God He was born of a woman that she brought forth a son of flesh and blood so that we could be under that blood. If you ever think about that for a moment, Mary had to give her blood to Him to give Him life. And He gave His blood to us to give us life. That's That to me just so symbolic, especially this time of year, because we often talk about the baby, but what we don't talk about is how it identifies with who we are when we're born. So his death and our death are similar, especially when we're baptized. But our birth and his birth are almost identical except his was of a virgin. As I said, Jesus was raised after losing lifeblood to be restored to a spiritual body. That spiritual body had capabilities this flesh cannot do. Walk through walls. Disappeared from sight. <coughs> this spiritual body happens to those who are in Jesus Christ as well. Here's how I'd like to say it. If His lifeblood is on you, His lifeblood is in you. If His blood is on you, His blood is in you. That means you have new life while in your flesh. Catch this. Because to have the blood of Christ in you, you have to have a need for blood. Spiritual bodies don't need blood to give them life. Earthly bodies do. The blood of Christ turns us into a spiritual body. But it also is a spiritual body within the confines of a fleshly body. So you now have a revived spirit, the Christ spirit in you, along with your physical body. That's the best news you'll ever hear. Right. Amen. You say, oh, I know, you don't understand. I, I, you don't know what I'm getting for Christmas. <laughs> I'm not that petty, but I will say this. That when your life is intermingled with the blood of Christ, there's nothing different, nothing better, nothing you can ever say that will ever, ever take its place. 
Nothing different in your life could ever be better. I promise you that. When you experience this rebirth because of the blood of Christ, it changes everything. I really, really love that Jesus came to be flesh and blood. We sometimes miss that, don't we? I wish it was the first Sunday a little bit because this would be a good lead into communion. But one of the scriptures that uh, was shared during the light of the Advent candle, I want to repeat to you. And I want to pull something out of this that you may have missed. Folks, I read this and I understood it in light of the blood of Christ and what it does and that we're born of blood. I got excited. I may do it again when I share with you what I saw in this passage. And, and if I do, join me. Don't forgive me, join me. But I want to read this to you. It's 1 John chapter 5, verses 6-8. through 8. It says, This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, which is what John called Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, which is the same one that witnesses in heaven, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. The Holy Spirit's job, according to Scripture, is it searches the deep things of God and of our spirit and begins to communicate to our spirit and pray things to God and, and relay that back to us and empower us to do what God is offering us to do. The Holy Spirit knows parts of you you don't know and the parts you don't share. One of the things that the Holy Spirit also does very clearly is it searches the depths of God. That's amazing. It searches the depths of God and it bears witness. Now, by bear witness and agreeing are the same thing. Okay? It says they agree that bear witness in heaven. It means their stories are the same. What the Father and the Word Jesus and the Holy Spirit witness in heaven. They agree upon it, that it's equal, it's the same, it is congruent, there is no distinction, there is no uh, difference of story between the three. They all come as if they were one thing. You get that? This is important because this is how this bears witness to you and me. It says that the witnesses in heaven are those three. The witnesses on earth are the Spirit, same Spirit, that agrees with God and Jesus and has the congruence of testimony and of acknowledgement of the truth, now comes to bear witness to us about the water, the baptism, and the blood which is Christ's blood on us and in us, 
and says, these three things are also congruent in you and in me. And what the Holy Spirit's job to do is to begin to check out if any of it is not in line. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict, to challenge, to grow us. And it looks and says, okay, is your life in the flesh, being born of water, in line with the Holy Spirit's truth of heaven? If not, it says, you need some blood on that sin. And so it says, are you under the blood? And if it says no, then the Holy Spirit says, we're not in agreement. And therefore, flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God because it hasn't got the blood component of Jesus. It has its own blood that it has to spill. So, once you become under the blood of Jesus Christ, it says, okay, the blood is there. This is a good thing. This person now, though once sinful as a human, is now under the blood of the Son. Now let me check to see what that does for you. So it goes and looks in heaven and sees what the blood of Christ did for you. And it comes back and witnesses to your spirit that you belong to God because the work of Jesus Christ covers you. That you are a redeemed member of the family of God. And He says, we're now in agreement here on earth. The Spirit witnesses to you that you are in congruence with yourself in terms of being a part of the family of God. Now, here is the fun part. And this is what I got excited about. You see, not only must there be congruence in the world in us, the world's going to tell you it is not in congruence. But nowhere in this Scripture do I read that other people, the lust of the flesh, the demonic, those who don't know God, or anyone else bears witness to your truth. Nowhere do I read that in there. So the world will try to fight you and try to defeat you and tell you that what God has said about you is not true, that you're not under the water and the blood, and you're not in congruence, you got to do something. Or you're not worthy of the work of Christ. This is what the world's going to tell you. They'll whisper things into your mind and say, you got to do more, you're not enough, you don't matter. All these lies, including the one that says, I can't feel valuable unless I'm loved and accepted by my family or significant people in my life. Those are not from God. Those are lies. You are adopted into the family of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. The world cannot defeat you. But it can distract you. The devil knows he cannot beat you when you belong to Jesus Christ. He knows that the Spirit, the Son, and the Father are in agreement about you. He wants you to think they're not. He'll point to some mistake you've made or a sin or something that you just won't let go of and say, see, you're not so godly, you still do that. 
going to tell you you're not effective. You have a bad witness. Who is your witness? The Spirit, the water, and the blood. Nowhere does it say you are your witness. God is. They are in agreement about you. So when the enemy comes in and starts to say, listen, you here are not worthy of God. You keep doing this sin and you won't quit. And we go, oh, you're, I'm just such a bad person. I'm just, And we become in agreement with what the enemy or the world is trying to say about how bad we are. And God's going, why do you listen to that? What's up with that? Why do you think you're not worthy just because someone who doesn't know you says you are? Uh, well, enough people say it, you believe it. You hear it often enough, you think it's true. It's okay, says God. You hear it often enough, but how often do you have to know that the blood of Christ covered all that? Long before you ever did a bit of it. Here's kind of how it looks. Have you ever made a mistake and wanted to like make it up to somebody? You have, haven't you? What if you did this? What if you said, okay, here is something I'm going to do or give, whichever it is, and I'm going to use this to make up for the mistake I made, plus all the ones I'm going to do in the future. You think that that person is going to go, oh, uh, why would you give me a gift for something you're going to do? Why, you know, I'm going to expect you to apologize and do all this other stuff because, you know, that's new mistakes. This is how we think. But the blood of Christ covers your old, present, and new. You said, but how's that possible? How could He forgive the new the stuff I haven't done yet? Well, He did it before you were born to get your old stuff, didn't He? Amen. Didn't He die before you were born? So didn't His death 2,000 years ago cover your old stuff? So He didn't die again to cover the old stuff. Do you think He has to die again to cover your new? No. Scripture even says that's ridiculous. He did it one time for all. And that's the good news. But the world's going to say that just because Jesus Christ died for you doesn't mean that you're a better person. Doesn't mean that you really have God in you. We get distracted. We get busy. Things that are important and priorities get askew because the enemy and us are in agreement about them. But praise God. Praise God. We don't have to be in agreement. And we also don't need to be in agreement with God for His truth to be true. I want you to hear that again. You don't have to agree with God for His truth to be true for you. When you belong to Jesus, you belong to Him. Whether you believe it, feel it, or understand it, it's still God's truth. And it's witnessed in heaven. When it's witnessed in heaven, it's written down in a Lamb's book of life. It's in agreement. And that Spirit tries to convince you that you are who God says you are. Regardless of the voices in your head that tell you otherwise or the voices around you that tell you otherwise.
The enemy says you need to be more consistently reflecting the nature of Christ and because you don't always do it and haven't always done it, there's something wrong with you. There is something wrong with us. We are flesh and blood. But there's something right with us too. That we belong to God and all the problems and issues in our lives are under that blood too. So when the enemy starts talking about how unworthy you are, you just point to the cross of Christ and say, I was worth that much. Don't tell me I'm not worthy of the love of God. Don't tell me I'm not worth dying for. The enemy's going to say, you're no good. You don't matter. And I'm going to come back and say, devil, Jesus died for me. He covered what you're saying is not true. So what do you got next in your basket of tricks? Jesus Christ's lifeblood was spilled to provide us a way to rise above the distractions of a life of agreement with the Holy Spirit. Plain and simple. Jesus' blood enables the Holy Spirit to come in in a still, small voice sometimes. That check you get. Like, oh, I had one of those the other day. It was pretty neat. One of those checks. I don't know if you get those very often. But I was working on something and I'm going, i got to do this. Nope, can't do it. I went, okay. Don't know why. But about half an hour later, I knew why. But it was a check. And and if we listen to those checks from the Holy Spirit then you're going to see why He did it and your testimony is going to grow. And He's going to use you in greater and greater ways because the Holy Spirit's bearing witness to your spirit. Don't do that. Or do that. It's kind of amazing to me when God starts to do it. I mean, I I don't know how He does it. I have no idea. But I do know this. There's not a person alive in this room right now that can't be filled with the Holy Spirit doing God's work. And the enemy still be whispering in your saying, You're not. You're not. You don't know. You're not. You're not you're not a part of that. You just think you are. Enemy says that. But I promise you, the Holy Spirit bears witness through water and blood that you are what he says you are. And the only way this could ever have happened. Truly, is if Jesus had lifeblood in him. In the fullness of time, says Scripture. In Galatians. In the fullness of time, He sent forth His Son, born of a woman, at the right time. And He will do the same for you. He already has. The question is today, do you know and are you in agreement with yourself and with the Holy Spirit about what God says about you? Are you in agreement with that in your mind? Because your mind can believe anything it wants. It's unfortunate, but it can. And it believes a whole bunch of crazy stuff about God that's not true. And about yourself, it's not true. Today I'm asking you, 
Are you in agreement with yourself that God says you are His? That you're under the blood and the water and the Holy Spirit is within you? Are you believing in agreement with that? If so, your life is in congruence with God. And if not, and you feel like you are not in congruence, there's something you can do today to change it. Would you like to know what it is? It's quite simple. Just come to the altar or pray where you're at and say, Lord Jesus, I want to be under your blood. Wash over me. Wash me clean. Claim me as your own. I'll claim you as mine. Put the Holy Spirit in me and wash me white as snow and I'll be white. Wash me with your blood. Cover me. I am a sinner. I need grace. I am unclean. I need cleansed. Do it now. Do it in this place. And if it is your heart's desire to say that, do that before God this morning, it says that God will by no means reject a broken and contrite heart. The next move is up to yours. I'm going to pray and let you think about it. Heavenly Father, I thank You that Your Word, Your Son, came to us as flesh and blood so that He could give His blood that we could be alive in Him. And this morning, if anyone doesn't know that truth, that their spirit has not been washed clean and still has the old mindsets because they've never had a new one, that you would come today and make them brand new. That they would be born again from above by the power of you, Lord Jesus, and what you have done. That inside of themselves today, there would be peace in mind, heart, and spirit. Heavenly Father, that the enemy would not be distracting. And for those of us who have understood this and are walking in that relationship, Heavenly Father, I come in the name of Jesus Christ as you put a hedge around each one of us today. That the enemy would be quiet and stand back. That we would hear clearly your voice and no other going forward today. That we would walk with you and talk with you and share our life with you. And the enemy would not distract us from it or tell us it's not important or that we are not. Heavenly Father, as we go forward from this place here in a few moments, I ask that you would pour out your Spirit upon those who are going to receive this toy distribution, those families, Heavenly Father, that they also would find life in you. Heavenly Father, if it's a toy or item of clothing that does it, thank you, Jesus. Anoint those toys for that purpose. Amen. We're going to sing Nothing But the Blood. It's a great Christmas hymn.